I'm Rasmus Schuller and you're listening to the Sound of Loons podcast. afternoon or evening, depending on when this finds you. Welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast. I'm Steve McPherson, and I'm here with Callum Williams. Cal, you are British, correct? Mm, okay. Yes. You look it. Uh, I should think so, yes. Yes. Um, How does one look British, by the way? You're pale. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm going to ask you about is your favorite summertime activity. So, Staying um, out of the sun. S- summer is a thing that happens <laughs> between spring and fall. In the United States, mm. when it doesn't rain, um, I presume it's a, a foreign concept. Although you spend time in Kansas City, obviously, correct. But um, so, mostly staying out of the sun. When you when you lather on the sunscreen, what do you like to go out and do? And still burn, by the way. <laughs> sure. <laughs> what SPF do you use? Um, no joke. So my missus right now has me on seventy, <laughs> but <laughs> that's high. But. In the UK, I swear to God, there is such a thing as factor 120, <laughs> sure. which I have used as well. I, I feel like I read that above a certain level, it doesn't do anything. Um, possibly just not. placebo. Like above yeah. like 15, it doesn't really matter. Well, one thing but... I can say, because I have experiences firsthand, if you use factor 120, you end up looking like Casper the Friendly Ghost. You... <laughs> it makes you whiter than what you originally went in. You actually get less tan yes. you get more pasted from the sun it has the inverse effect it actually seeps melatonin melatonin melanin thank you sorry melatonin what you give your kids when you want them to sleep melanin is what is in your skin so um okay so so you, you got the 120 uh you have glasses a hat um a full uh long sleeve shirt yes what do yes. you what do you go out and do do you do you boat do you uh do you golf do you are we um, talking about now or growing up or uh let's talk about now now i think you'll probably find me in the nearest establishment with a nice cold pint in my hand i, I see. Would assume rooftop day uh, drinking yes i mean not necessarily all the time i, I quite enjoy a nice little stroll with the wife and um mm-hmm. you know because we're, we're still very new to the twin cities as well sure so that there's there's a lot of areas, Steve, that I purposely didn't go and see. Everyone, particularly in the office, everybody gave me so much abuse because I I, I live downtown Minneapolis, and, and so many people would give me so much abuse saying, you're not branching out, you're not going to see all these different places and whatnot. Yeah. And whilst I agree with that statement, um, I, I wanted to, to purely save the experience of seeing these places for the first time because I wanted to do it with my wife. Sure. So um, so it's a romantic gesture is what you're saying. I, I think so. I think I, that's, that's I knew, me just being a fabulous husband, to be I honest. I knew you were soft. Um, <laughs> oh, I am softer than soft, mate. I really am. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, I guess just exploring with my wife is is um, is a, a big thing I like to do now. Um, Have you been to the Stone Arch Bridge? Yes, and, and it is, and we quite enjoy that walk. So we live on the south side of the city, so we right, quite okay. enjoy walking through downtown mm-hmm. up towards, you, forgive my um, my 
naivety, my foreign naivety. Not the Stone Arch Bridge, the other one where it's got the big grain belt. Yeah, the, yes. I mean, that's, that's that the Hennepin. The Hennepin, is that what it's called? Yeah, I don't okay. know if that's the name of it, but yeah, the, the grain, it goes across Nicolette Island. Yes, um, yes. So, yes. So I quite enjoy walking over that bridge through Nicolette Island. There's a lovely little area in, yes. in northeast, like cobblestone streets. We refer to it as the, the Big Fish area. If you've seen the movie Big Fish, it was like okay. sort of a, a, a fantastical uh, the tall tale story. And so there's like these little cute village, there's a little cute mm. village in it. Which, and that's sort of what it feels like. You get off on Nicolette Island and you're like, where am I? Yeah. <laughs> these cute little houses, it's like a storybook. So. Yes, it is. And then Boom Island is right there, yep. um, which is very yep. nice. So. There's, there's some lovely little walking trails around that area as well. And, and eventually we'll, we'll obviously circle back around and, and, and head back home. But um, it's, uh, yeah, I, I would say that's probably my activity now is um, is is just having a nice little stroll with the missus. And yeah. I like to do it sort of early evening, you know, um, grab a little coffee or a cup of tea or whatever and, and just you know walk around and it's it's actually quite pleasant yeah that's that sounds great it, it is nice one of my favorite things to do in new cities i go to is to just walk around yeah. you know um and sometimes i forget to do that here um because i'm so you know i'm aiming for particular goals so much of the time you know so also with kids it's like you got to sort of mm. have the activity and then it happens and you go home if you try to do anything else your kids will lose it so <laughs> um so flexibility is at a premium uh it, or so I'm saying I don't have a lot of time to stroll. I do like to do it when I get to do it. If we go, when we go on vacation or anything like that, we go to Grand Marais places up North. We've talked about this before. Uh, it's terrific. I really, I got, I, I, I spent some time kayaking um, uh, when we were vacationing. Uh, we did some canoeing and some kayaking and I really was like, I could get into this. Like I, I, I haven't done a ton of it, but going out on a lake and just sort of paddling across it. I can see, I can really see the appeal of going to the boundary waters and just, you know, you, you canoe through a, a beautiful lake for a while, you get out, you carry your canoe to the next lake. You just sort of chain that stuff together. So, um, yeah, the summer is, it's a great time to enjoy, you know, the outdoors. And it's important to remember because there's a lot of the year when we don't get to enjoy the outdoors. Grilling is another thing I love to do. Oh, yes. Um, well, that goes without saying, doesn't makes, it? Yeah. makes life easy. Uh -huh. Uh, it's just so easy to make up stuff like that. So, um, yeah. It's difficult for us, isn't it? Sorry, cut you off. It's, yeah, it's difficult because for us, with the way the season is lined up, our off time and, and, and any sort of chance to go and do things, um, you know, whether it's kayaking or, or what have you, is, is all in the off season, it's which is during the winter. Yeah. So it, yeah. it's difficult to, to do. And It is a little tough to miss out on those Saturdays. You miss out on a lot of Saturday nights, you know. Yeah, and, and, and like look, that, I mean, so. look, it's part of the course. It's the life of a football commentator, or in your case, a football journalist and sure. whatnot. It, it, it's just it, um, it it's just what it is. Um, and the sooner you sort of come to terms with that, the better. Yeah. Um, and then the, your family can come to terms with it. My, I, I feel sorry. <laughs> I feel terribly guilty at times because... You know, I, I've said to the missus, you know, we, we should go up to, I've heard all the lovely things about Duluth. I've, I've mm -hmm. heard things about, um, you know, going up and getting a, a cabin on uh, Lake Superior and, and all these fabulous, wondrous ideas. Strongly recommend. Just have no time yeah. to do yeah, it. Yeah, it's tough. You know, so, but we, um, you know, I, I'm sure in the off season we'll, we'll get some time because I hear still, you, you, you correct me if I'm wrong here, you, you can still go up into the cabins in the winter and stuff. Oh, yeah, you? for sure. It's beautiful up there. Okay. My wife went up for a retreat with some friends of hers uh, and it was, you know, she went up there and um, mushed uh, dogs across a frozen lake to like the cabins where they stayed. So wow. she said it was incredible. So there was a sauna. 
um, you know, out on the lake. And so they had like cut a hole. So it was like you go in the sauna and then you go and jump in this little hole in the lake and it's freezing cold. So wow. yeah, I think there's a lot of, a lot of fun things to do, uh, up North in the winter as well. So, um, all right, let's talk about some soccer. Uh, now that we've gotten our vacation plans out of the way, <laughs> uh, let's talk about the game against Vancouver Whitecaps FC. Uh, of, of, I will say that. So anytime watching a game, there is, it's always interesting to me when I'm sitting there watching, I'm watching with the other guys who are on the digital team. So, you know, we're, we're talking about the game, they're doing updates. I'm taking notes, uh, looking for storylines and things to sort of write about. And either the times where we sort of have a feeling about the, the game. And then, uh, I discover that, that Adrian Heath agrees with that feeling or when he, it's like, I expect him to be, furious and he's not, or I expect him to be happy and he's furious. It's always interesting to me. You know, um, that was a very, it was a very frustrating game to watch. Um, I think it's sort of along the lines of the Philadelphia union game where it's like, every time it's like you're, you're putting in all these chances, or in this case, you're putting in all these crosses and they're just coming to not. And you're, I'm sitting there just as, as a, as a viewer of the game going, you gotta do something else. Like this is, this is not working. But then Adrian was, you know, fairly sanguine after the game. I think he was very concerned about the effort level and practice leading mm -hmm. up to that game. He definitely felt like the effort was there. And I would agree with that. I don't think anybody flagged in terms of their on the field effort, but it just didn't, it just didn't come to it, you know? And Adrian's attitude seemed to sort of be like, well, you know, it's like they, they close up the middle of the field. We had to go to the wings. The crosses didn't, if one of those crosses finds somebody, if, if, if Mason shot stays down, like we're, we're up. But, you know, what was what was your take? Did you feel, how did you feel watching it? And then how did you feel in the aftermath? Well, no doubt during it, it, it was it was frustrating. Um, but but I, I actually agree with, with what Adrian has said um, because Vancouver came in with an obvious and uh, a very obvious game plan and it worked for them. And, and well done to Marco Santos and the Whitecaps. And I actually think they're now going to go to Cincinnati this weekend and win because they, they haven't had that sort of confidence sure. for a while. Um, they'd come in, obviously, with no win in 10. Um, so I, um, I absolutely uh, understand the frustration from, from the fans' point of view. Let me ask you this. What else would you have done? Yeah, that, I mean, I think that was, that was the thing that I... Um, that's the problem. I think it's, it's as you're sitting there, you're like, do something else. But it's like, I'm not a, I'm not a football coach. I don't know what to do. Um, and I think when you looked at what Vancouver did, I sort of found myself also wondering if this is, if this is one of those, I don't know exactly how to put this correctly. Is it the price of being good or it's just a new wrinkle that you encounter with the team as it becomes good? Cause teams didn't use to bunker against nope. Minnesota United. Um, and this is what you get a team that's at the bottom of the table. That's in desperate need of a, of a point on the road. They, that they're totally happy with that. You know, every time we got the opportunity, there was no counterattack. It was like, they were dropping 10 guys into the box, you know? And because of that, like, that's just a thing that I think it's a new wrinkle. Minnesota United has not seen that so much. And so even with creative playmakers, it's just, you need a little bit, Again, you just need that crack. It felt like a game where if it had gone 1-0, if Minnesota United had scored one goal, oh, it could have ended 3-0, 4-0. Know? The problem is that we just couldn't get that first, that first opening that went. Because then Vancouver would have to try to equalize. And then they would open themselves up. Because you know, the, the, they're not a dynamic team. Um, as currently constituted, but they did defend very well. They have big guys in the box. You know, they, they did a good job against that. So I don't know. Um, 
I don't know what you do. Um, I know that the sending the crosses in it, it, it ends up feeling like futility, but I think it's very difficult. I think it can be very difficult to like change tactics during a game wholesale across a whole team. You sort of need um, an inspirational moment from a player like like a Darwin Quintero or somebody to do something to sort of take the game by the scruff of its neck and do something to it. Um, and I I don't think I don't think it, it wasn't that Darwin wasn't trying to do that. I think it just didn't quite just didn't quite happen. You couldn't sort of like once the game became sending crosses in, nobody could really sort of steer it out of that, out of that position. So, so, so a few things about this, Steve, it, it felt like obviously there were perpetual crosses coming in. Um, and, and there were 37 yeah. crosses that came in. Um, at some stage that is down to the people that are inside the box to, to put those chances away. Yeah. Absolutely. Simple as that. Absolutely. My biggest issue and this has been something I've noticed for a little while now, and I'm going to go a little critical here, um, because if we are going to maintain a certain standard, we have to be. Sure. Um, Darwin Quintero was poor. We all know that. And his silly handball was ludicrous and ridiculous. And I, I hope the coaching staff gave him a stern talking to afterwards because we've got a huge game this weekend against Portland, which I know we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. Um, but to, to do that is... Um, uh, it, it's childish. It is. Um, and, and I was very disappointed with Darwin doing that. Um, the um, the other thing in terms of, and as I said, I've noticed this a few times now, when the crosses have come in from the right or left-hand side, I've always thought to myself, there's not enough bodies in the box. Yeah. Angelo is the obvious target. Yeah. Darwin will loiter on the edge and sure. pick up any scraps and, and hopefully rifle in one from range. If it's come from the right-hand side, you've usually got the the far-left um, attacking wide player in the box. Sometimes, let's just use Ethan Finlay, for example, because he's been the right winger for a while now, would be in there as well. Or he would at least be making his way into the box if, whether it's Metanair or, or Dotson or whoever is crossing the ball in from the right. Um, Chase Gasper may very well be loitering as well. Um, but there's only really one person to aim for, and that's Angelo Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. And I have now wondered this for a long time. Why are there no secondary runs coming from the center of midfield? Yeah. Ozzy Alonso is, is doing a great job. He will sit and hold and dictate and do his job. Um, he, he could still do his job for just about any team in Major League Soccer, in my opinion. What I want to see more of is I want to see more late surging runs inside the box from Jan Gregus. When Minnesota United are pressing, more often than not, he's the one who is spraying the ball out wide. And then you'll notice, more often than not again, he'll sort of semi-jog or maybe even just sit and allow the attacking quartet to go and do their thing. No, I, I, I would prefer if he then sprinted and got himself into the box and made himself a, a piece of the attacking puzzle and and look to get onto the end of a few crosses because he's, what, six foot... Four, whatever he's a big he, boy, he, he would be a very good option. Um, and I've noticed this, as I said, several times now for a while, that I, I just think, you know, Gregor, and I know he came close in Salt Lake. He's come close before against the Red Bulls, if it wasn't for a fabulous save from Rob Lairs and um, one or two other goalkeepers that he's, that he's forced into a good save. Um, he, he would have two MLS goals. I, I don't think that's enough for a number eight yeah. Who, who, and especially in Adrian's system where it is fast and explosive, you need another body coming in um, from a from a, a deep line. Yeah. So, 
I, I would just I would just like to see, as I mentioned, a couple of more secondary runs made from Jan Gregorius to, to give Minnesota United an extra body inside the box. And, and I do wonder if he were to do so, if he did so against Vancouver and there was an extra body arriving late because of the... And, and I cannot stress how important the late arrival is to something like this because it discombobulates the back line because they've got themselves set. Right. They know they're marking, regardless if it's one or two centre-forwards, you know where they are, you're set, no problem. If the, the opposite wide player is loitering and, and just making his way into the box, the right back or left back, whichever side it is, has that covered. And the other full back is dealing with the cross coming in. And usually then the two central midfielders ahead will drop back a little bit. Mm -hmm. So you, there's plenty of bodies from a defensive point of view. And I just wonder that if a late run comes in, it's down to whoever is on the edge of the box from a defensive point of view to watch that late run. And I just don't think Vancouver were disciplined enough. Yeah. Where I, I do think if that secondary run came from Jan Gregish, yeah. I think Minnesota may have gotten themselves an opportunity. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And I think maybe that's one of those things that I, I, can, un I can understand it from the perspective of a team coming from being defensively atrocious for years. Um, if the initial, you know, if the initial setup had been like a little more conservative with those central, those center mids, but then when you're looking at a team like Vancouver, that is just packing the box, it, that is maybe a thing to do, you know? And I think that again, Jan is big. Um, he, I think he doesn't have to run in every time. I think it's better if it, he picks his spots like that, but having a little more dynamism, I think from that, that central midfield role would be great. Um, and maybe that's, maybe that's what it takes. Um, you know, I think that uh, the Vancouver game was, I mean, again, like as Adrian said, he's not going to look down his nose at a point, you know? Mm. Um, and at this point in the season, you need those points. <laughs> you don't want to lose those games like that. So um, I, I don't know what lessons are there. Aside from that, are there things that you think you take forward into the rest of the season? Do you think there's other things that Minnesota is going to have to learn to do? They've become a good team at this point is what are the things do you think that need to happen in order to take that next step so that they can keep like a top four seed, like a, a three, four seed. Um, it, it's never a bad thing to create more opportunities. I wonder now with the insertion of Robin Lurds, I wonder now, cause everybody has identified him as a wide player, by the way, which he is, and he can do um, more than admirably, but he can also play in that 10 role as well. I do wonder, at some stage, do we see him in the 10 role or do we see him occupy the left-hand side and see Kevin Molino back in the 10 role, which we know he can do. Um, I will always go back to the, the season, uh, his second year with Vancouver, when he got something like, I think it was 11 goals and 12 assists playing that number 10 role. Um, and I, I, I just wonder if, if there's a little more needed from the players behind Rodriguez. Um, Angelo can only do so much. Um, right. You know, I think he's had a good season so far. I, I said to everybody, I, I, I don't see him as someone who's going to score 15, 20 goals a year. That's okay. Yeah. As long as the players behind you pick up the pieces from time to time. Mm -hmm. I'm not convinced the players behind him have done enough for this to be deemed a success at the moment. Sure. Um, uh, yet here we are, fifth in the in the Western Conference. So, I, I just wonder. I wonder what a new set of legs, a, a new 
um, set of ideas will will do to this attacking quartet, which which has been good um, over the course of the season so far. It, it, it's uh, a foursome that a lot of people in Major League Soccer would would crave for, by the way. Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, I I just wonder: is it too early to see Robin Lord? It wouldn't surprise me if he came off the bench on mm-hmm. Sunday. Should he, you know, get into the country and everything, and everything's okay? Um, <clears throat> no reason why there wouldn't be. But I, I wonder if a new set of ideas gives this team a little spark that they perhaps have been lacking over the, the course of, you know, the last uh, last two weeks or so. Um, here we are, sort of not lambasting, but but sort of um, pointing the finger a little bit at. at um, a certain area of the field which which hasn't been anywhere near as bad as I'm insinuating. But if we are going to be, if Minnesota are going to be a top four team, yeah. you simply need more from an yeah. attacking outlet. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. It's one thing to have a set of expectations for a team that is on the edge of the playoff line and looking to get into the playoffs, right? The expectations change when you're looking at trying to get a home, home seed, yes. like a, a top seed, so that you can have home field advantage. So I think that's totally reasonable. Um, let's, uh, let's steer away from, 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 uh, there's some elements of local, local loons elements in this, but, um, the all-star game, mm. uh, I watched the, the highlights from the skills competition, uh, which I want to say that was legit fun. Like that's, I mean, that's honestly in most all-star game weekend situations in sports. That's what I like the dunk contest, the three point contest, the stuff like that. And it was kind of goofy. And it's the kind of thing that it's always fun to watch the players do on the, the training pitch, uh, sort of brought to the large screen. Um, again, I didn't watch it front to back, but I watched highlights the next day. Uh, that Nani's last second uh, crossbar was terrific and so much fun. So uh, did you did you watch the skills competition or, or, or just watch highlights or something? Very, like very much like yourself, watch the highlights. Yeah. I turned it on for, for a couple of minutes uh, on the, the Tuesday evening. It, you know, it, it is a very American thing, which I'm fine with. Um, we are in America, of course. Do they have um, all-star games? They don't have all-star games. In the don't game. have all-star games. It feels in... not British at all. No, but they don't have it, to my knowledge. There's only a couple of other places that do it. I think the Australian A-League does it. But okay. apart from that, there's there's no real um, all-star situation. So, But but actually, I, I think there's incredible value to having it because it is... What it is more than anything, Steve, is it's a tremendous celebration of, of what MLS is sure. um, and how far it's come. And I've always enjoyed the all-star um, game and, and the, the aspect of it. Purely because I, I didn't grow up with it. But also, as I said, I love... One thing I love about you guys in this country is if there's a celebration to be what had, my you word, you guys are going <laughs> to... You You're guys, one of us now. <laughs> well, not quite. <laughs> Working on that. You guys are, um, are going to celebrate it, and, and as you should, absolutely. Um, but I, I, I wish in England that we would do something like this because in England, we, we should absolutely celebrate the Premier League and, and, and all its glory because it is the best league in the world, in my opinion. I will argue until I'm blue in the face with somebody. Sure. Um, but... Um, I, I, I watched around about 10 minutes of it and then I opted to watch the highlights the next day. Um, the one highlight I, I took from it, as you mentioned, was, was the Nani last minute uh, crossbar challenge, which was wonderful. But the other one was, um, was Wayne Rooney making it look so easy. Yeah. Um, the one volley that yeah. he pinged in off the crossbar, I was like, oh my, and he just walks away. Yeah. Just shrugging his shoulders. Like, oh, for goodness sake. You know, <laughs> it, 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 there's a certain level of appreciation when you see something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, and did you watch the all-star game itself? Yes. Last yes, night. Okay. Yes. What your, your, your feelings. I, uh, I missed it. Um, and then I woke up to the scoreline and I was like, oh, well, okay. 
Well, look, I mean, as I said, I, I'm a big believer of it. I'm a big fan of any reason to celebrate the accomplishments of Major League Soccer because it, it still baffles me when you, when you really sit down and think about it. It baffles me how far this league has come over the course of the last 10 years or so. Sure. Um, so I, I, quite, um, I quite enjoy the All-Star game. Um, I thought the game itself, the All-Stars held themselves uh, to a very high standard, as you would expect, because this is a, a team full of international players and, and footballing legends and players that are simply playing in a very good league now. Um, and I thought they held themselves... Um, I, I thought they gave a, good, a very good impression of themselves, rather. Um, up until the last sort of 10 minutes where it was obvious they were pushing, they were trying to force the issue and, and get an equalising goal and entertain the audience. Mm -hmm. And Atletico Madrid just cut them to ribbons then yeah. um, on, on the, the press and the counter. Um, but I, I said, um, I, I thought the first half, I thought it was such a joy to watch Wayne Rooney um, because no doubt he, he started in... Um, a sort of a ten and a half role, I think, is the best way to describe it, mm -hmm. um, alongside uh, Alejandro Pozuelo of Toronto. Uh, but he was the one dropping much deeper. Pozuelo did once or twice, but Rooney was the one dropping a lot deeper. We we've seen this happen with him during the latter stages of his career at Manchester United, and then, you know, a couple of times with Everton as well, um, where he drops and he looks to dictate because he's technically fabulous. He can do that. He can play that role, no problem. Sure, but. The one thing I, I pointed this out to, to Kendra, actually, we've seen it briefly here in MLS because he plays so high up the field for DC United, which is great. Wayne Rooney closer to goal is obviously never a bad thing. Sure. But the only time we've seen him really drop as deep as he did last night in this country is through an element of desperation. Mm -hmm. you, you'll Perhaps the audience will remember the, the goal that DC scored against Orlando. Right. Um, you know, Tremendous and Rooney obviously assist, dropped yes. back and... and yep a lovely ball in um, for Acosta to score. Um, I got the sense, though, last night, Steve, that Rooney just wanted to be on the ball. He just wanted to play and have fun. Mm -hmm. And it was so refreshing and, and, and such a thrill to watch him play with a smile on his face. You could tell he was just enjoying it. Playing with some of his old mates as well, Zlatan Ibrahimovic and, and Bastian Schweinsteiger. Sure. Um, you know, playing against a, a big European uh, opponent. He, he was in his elements. Um, and, you know, I understand he's only going to play 45 minutes, but I wanted him to play more. <laughs> I really did, you know. Yeah. Um, and then I thought Diego Chara in the opening 45 was great as well. Um, Hold up. Absolutely. Love him. Just fabulous. Um, alongside Ozzy Alonso, was one of the best holding midfielders that have ever played in Major League Soccer. Um, and then the second half was, uh, as I said, it was, it was intriguing seeing all these, um, you know, a lot of new bodies in the All-Star roster this year, which is never a bad thing. Our boy, um, Romain Metinier. And Romain came came on and, um, you know, I thought he gave a, um, a really solid impression of himself. He nearly scored as well, didn't he? From mm -hmm. uh, I think from the edge of the box. I did see that. I didn't watch the game, but I saw that. I saw yeah, that he, he thundered one towards goal, which um, had it have gone in, I think we'd have heard the screams yeah. from the Orlando <laughs> City Stadium here in Minnesota. Yeah. It, was, um, it was a fabulous effort. But um, no, it was just a, a really compelling watch. Uh, but ultimately, uh, and, I, and I said this last night, you know, a, a field that was, was glittered with, with footballing legends. Ultimately, the headlines belong to the, the new star of the footballing world and this young Portuguese chap, Joao Felix, who who scored the second goal for Atletico. If you haven't seen it, I, I plead you go and watch it because he hits it so purely and with such 
accuracy and precision. Um, Romando gets a piece of it. People are saying Romando should have saved it. Um, I, I disagree because you see the ball. When you when you look at the replay, you see the ball knuckling all over the place. I, I would just hate to be a goalkeeper in that situation yeah. because you commit and you're thinking, oh, actually, no, I've, I've got to move. Oh, well, it's too late. Yeah. I, you know, so... Um, the, the quality of the strike w- was out of this world. And uh, and then obviously Diego Costa made it three. So look, a successful evening, I'm told, was had by all on and off the field. Another tremendous all-star game to really enjoy. Yeah, I, I think that... Um I think the way that MLS is doing it right now is 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 good and and better. I think than it's been. I think the return of the skills competition is fun. It adds a little more element of entertainment and sort of stretches out the weekend. gives gives you more to watch. Um, I think I think all all star games across the spectrum basically are uh, suffering a little bit in the last several years. I think there's sort of a problem right now because of just the way that we consume sports these days. You know, it's so different from when I was a kid, when I was a little, little kid, especially, I remember this. Um, I grew up in Massachusetts, but the first baseball game I ever saw was a Philadelphia Phillies game uh, against the Atlanta Braves. Steve Carlton pitched, which is incredible. And um, so the Phillies became my favorite team uh, for the first, you know, at the early part of elementary school until sort of the Red Sox took over. Um, But watching the All-Star game, I got to see Mike Schmidt, who played third base for the Phillies because I never got to see him because mm. he wasn't on TV in my area. Uh, there wasn't ESPN. I'm very old. Uh, there wasn't ESPN, <laughs> you know, like the highlight reel stuff. It's like, I wouldn't, you know, I'd watch this week in baseball uh, on Saturday mornings as like a first grade, first or second grader sometimes and stuff like that. Um, but now it's like everything is highlights all the time. You see all the players constantly and some of the novelty of having all the best players together in one place I think it's just it's just not as doesn't shine as brightly as it did at one time because of our habits of consuming TV. You know, I think that Sports Center drove, uh, for better or worse, drove people towards highlights, towards top ten plays, towards stuff like that, and that stuff is fun in the moment, but it does eventually sort of saturate your attention span in a way that means that like the all-star game doesn't feel maybe as momentous as it should. So that's one of the reasons I like the things like the skills competition, because it's just, you've changed the paradigm of what is being done. Uh, it's something you don't see anywhere else, uh, as opposed to simply a game between two excellent teams. Um, but I don't know. I don't, I don't know that there's, I don't know that what the solution is for that across the spectrum of sports. I don't know if there's a specific way to solve uh, I don't know if there's a problem that needs to be solved for MLS that way, but it is something that I think it's good for them to continue to ideate on and figure out other ways to bring events. I think having the, un- the, the unified teams come down do the, the special Olympics. I think the homegrown thing is nice as Minnesota United people, not tremendously invested in homegrowns at this point, uh, that will come in time. Yep. But, um, so I think that's, I think it's good to just make sure you're not resting on your laurels for any of those games. Uh, let's, let's move on to Portland though, because that's a pretty important game. Um, I'm going to start, we're going to start with the hottest. It's not a hot take. I'm going to ask you for your hot take. Okay. I'm sure Minnesota United is going to be doing their best to win each of these games coming up. We have versus Portland in an MLS league game on Sunday. We have versus Portland in the open cup semifinal on Wednesday. I'm sure they're going to do everything they can to win both of those games. If you had to choose, (laughs) which of these games is more important? Ah, I put you on the hot seat. It's a difficult one to answer, Steve, because I would mm-hmm. argue I, I would argue this weekend against Portland on the Sunday is the biggest game of the season so far. 
Um, in terms of league standings, anyway, because Portland are slowly creeping up and have now got themselves into seventh, and they are riding a, a, a momentous wave for sure. Um, it depends what the club value more. Um, I don't know if I can answer the question. I, I think I, I <laughs> purely from a from a competition point of view, I would say the Open Cup because if you lose that, you're done. You're out of the competition. Yeah. Whereas, obviously, if you lose on Sunday, you've still got 11 games left to, to write whatever the wrongs were. Sure. Um, and, Fair. you know, th there are, after that, that there'll be 10 remaining games against Western Conference opposition. Um, the low and eastern one will have an element of, of history about it because it's Orlando City. But um, I, if you're absolutely making me choose, I... I I would say the Open Cup game because, as I said, if, if you lose that, then you're done. Um, and, and we should never, ever, ever um, give the, the stiff upper lip treatments to um, achieving something like winning, winning a trophy. Um, this, this is... And I was doing some, some prep on this, and you, you will certainly be able to correct me if I'm wrong here. This will be... Should Minnesota beat Portland on Wednesday in the Open Cup semi-final, this will be the first time in men's sports in Minnesota that there's a chance for a major league trophy to be won since the 1991 Twins. I think that is correct. Minnesota has the Vikings have not gone to a Super Bowl. The Wild have not gone to the finals. I don't think that. Mm. I don't know. We'll have to ask TJ about that. He knows. Hmm. He's, he sits next to me. He knows everything about hockey. The, the Wolves have not gone past the conference finals. They were bounced in 2004 by the Lakers, who got their butts handed to them by the Pistons, which was terrific. Um, so, yeah. So there, if we're going to use that yeah. as an example, that's, you know, there, there is a, a real chance for us to have, uh, you know, a day that will forever be steeped in history in this football club and, and a chance to, to open up the trophy cabinet for the first time. Well... You know? <laughs> You convinced me we should win both. Um, I, uh, it's tough because I was thinking about it. Tactically, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a newcomer to cup competition. Sure. I'm, I am a, a veteran of paying attention to the regular season in the hopes of making the, the, the postseason. Uh, that's how sports, that's how I understand sports. And so to me, my, my gut reaction is that the game on Sunday is more important because if you, it is a, this is a six pointer, right? Yep. Against a team that is, is, storming the table um, and could definitely, I mean, having a game in hand on them, we still have to go to Portland. Um, you know, the chance to have a tiebreaker in the event of, of, of even seeds or something around that point is the difference between a home, a four and a five seed uh, things like that. That could be tremendously important. Um, taking again, it's, it's a six point game, right? Yeah. You're taking three points and you're taking three points away from somebody who wants to get your spot. So uh, to me, I'm thinking, well, that's the, that's the league game. And then I think about the, the open cup and I think we've, if this is the end of the open cup run, Minnesota United has already achieved something. Um, getting to the semifinals is big. Mm. Uh, it's as far as a Minnesota soccer team, professional soccer team has advanced uh, in the Open Cup. Um, I think that if, if you bow out now, you bow out gracefully having done some really good stuff and facing a team that's very difficult in Portland. 
Um, but yeah, then you're talking about that, that possibility that then you're going to go to the final that we could host the final. Yes. Um, it'd be tremendous. It'd be tremendous to host a final. And again, if you get to the final, even if you lose the final, you've, you know, if you, you've competed in the finals of, of, of a competition, that's worth something to the club. It's worth something to the players. It's worth something to the fans, um, in a way that beating out, Portland for a seed in the Western conference. If then you can't get past the first round of the playoffs that then that, then that doesn't mean anything. It's sort of weird because in some ways it's like, well, if you, if you, if, if the, if the open cup run is over, it was a good run. Great. Um, we know that the playoffs are still ahead for MLS. If you get to the playoffs then you don't get any further and you also didn't get the open cup, then mm. not that it, that's, that that's not, doesn't mean the season was a failure. The season's already been a tremendous success in a lot of ways. It's, it's a tough question. I think you just got to win both, right? So well, that, ultimately, <laughs> yes, winning both is, is the supreme answer, but, but let me tell you, Steve, um, rather embarrassingly, I actually have an open cup winner's medal. Um, for whatever reason, they decided to give medals to the broadcasting team in Kansas City in 2012. Right. Thank you. Uh, I worked ever so hard for it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do everything you can. And, um, what I will tell you about that experience, because that was that was it was a similar situation in Kansas City there, where you know the, the Royals hadn't won anything since the eighties, the Chiefs hadn't done anything for a long time. Yep. Um, collegiate teams, um, uh, you know, um, apart from KU, maybe hadn't done anything for for a, you know a good couple of years. Um, and let me tell you, after sporting Kansas City, they opened up a stadium, and then they won the Open Cup. Let me tell you, even for people who didn't understand what the Open Cup was, they absolutely knew after yeah. they won it. Yeah. And they became relevant in capital letters. Yeah. And I'm not saying that we're not relevant here because absolutely we are. I see more Minnesota United stuff than a lot of other things, particularly downtown Minneapolis. Yeah. But never underestimate how much can be achieved um, and, 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 and how much you can, you can move a club forward by winning a trophy. It doesn't yeah. matter what trophy it is. Absolutely. It, it's the Open Cup. It's the oldest sports competition in the United States. It, it's a big deal. It, it's a massive game on, on Wednesday. And um, I, I just, knowing Adrian like I do, he's an old romantic. Um, he won Cup Winners' Cup. He, he did ever so well in the old FA Cup back in England. He'll absolutely want to go and win this tournament for sure. Yeah. Let's uh, let's focus back just on this game coming up this weekend. Um, Portland obviously looks very dangerous. Going to be missing Darwin Quintero for that yellow yep. card accumulation. Um, the last thing I just want to touch on is what do you think, what's your spitballing speculation about how uh, the team deals with missing Quintero, given that... Um, you know, Molino has been nursing some, some injury thing. I mean, he's, mm. he's available to play, but maybe he, he is not as healthy as he could be. What do you, do you think it sticks four, two, three, one do, is there a formation change out there? Like, what do you think? Well, ideally you would stick with the formation you've been playing all season, which of course is the four, two, three, one. If Molino is healthy, Molino will play and Molina will play in the number 10 role. Yeah. And I'm a firm believer then that it'll be Ibarra on the left-hand side and, and Ethan Finlay on the right. Miguel Ibarra, there's always um, added motivation playing against Portland, remember, because the Timbers drafted him and didn't sign him. Sure. So there's always something extra with Ibarra against the Timbers. And one of my old co-commentators back in England was a chap called John Spencer, who was the old manager of Portland, who drafted Miguel 
for the Timbers. And he said it was one of his biggest regrets in his managerial career that he didn't sign Miguel Ibarra. Yeah. So that's always something to keep an eye on is, is Miguel against Portland. But but I think it would be that. The only other the only other reasonable change I could see would be if you take if you take Hassani Dotson and you put him in the centre of midfield, and you allow him and Gregush higher up the field with Alonso sitting underneath, and you go to a 4-3-3, yeah. and you have you know Finlay Ibarra either side of um, Rodriguez. That, that's the only one I could really see an argument for. Um, Hassani Dotson, let's not forget, played collegiate soccer at Oregon State, so again, there may very well be added motivation there for him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's from Federal Way in Washington, so I've never asked him this, actually, but I'm assuming... He has a certain affiliation with Seattle Sounders, and obviously we all know of the rival between the Sounders and the Timbers. So again, maybe added motivation. Sure. But purely for from an, an an energy point of view, I could see why Dotson would be in there. And if I'm Adrian Heath, I'm saying to him, go and play. Like Ozzy Alonso will will drop. He will he will do what he has done for years and tidy everything up. Yep. You go and play, Sam. You you go and try and um, do a couple of. Um, quick interchanges on the edge of the penalty area, get a couple of shots off. Uh, Jan Gregor, I want you to talk about these secondary runs again. Jan, I want you to go and, and, and um, be involved in the attack as well, you know, because it's a lot of pressure to put on a young 21-year-old to say, right, you're going to be one of the main outlets from the centre of midfield. Jan Gregor has to step into that role as well. Mm-hmm. But to answer the question, <laughs> um, if, if Molino isn't healthy, I, I would put Hassani Dotson in the centre of midfield and go to 4-3-3. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And then you have Ozzy drop between the center backs. You get the, the 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 left back and right back push up, and then you have you have two pivot options, right? About you have you have Grey Goosh and you have Dotson, who again has scored a couple bangers from yep. distance. So strike um, You've clearly done it before. Yeah. So yeah, I I like it. I like it because it's again, I I probably overestimate the value of 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 surprise. I think that most people who watch soccer and don't play soccer, probably underestimate the value of consistency and overestimate the value of novelty. I think that's, uh, it's just natural. Um, but I think that there is something to be said for, if you have, if you have any doubts to run out a four, three, three, which is, which can also play a little more conservatively possibly. Um, and you're gonna have to play two games, right? So you're going to get Darwin back in the second game you know, a, a different look in each game is not a horrible thing to throw at another right. team, I think. So, um, it, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be a pair of good games. It's a lot of, a lot of stuff coming up here. Yeah. And, and look, I, I agree with what Adrian said before the Vancouver game that the next 20 days for this football club are the biggest in its history since it's come into major league soccer. I think a lot of that is over the next six days. Yeah. Um, and, and, Look, as I said, uh, I, I can't stress enough how important the, the Open Cup game is. Uh, I can't stress how important Sunday is in, in the regular season. Um, as you said, that the the way to, to deal with this is win both games. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the Timbers right now... Um, <laughs> is, that, is that the end of Happy Gilmore where he... He's like, they want him to play for the playoff or whatever. Like he's got this impossible shot and it's like, you know, they're advising him. They're like, okay, if you, if you get two strokes, then you'll tie and you can go to a playoff. And he's like, I'm, I'm going to beat him now. (laughs) And he's like one amazing shot and gets it in. That's what we need to do is just, just beat them both. Yeah. (laughs) Just 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 win both times. Absolutely. And look, I mean, I'm assuming Diego Chara will return to the fray, um, which (laughs) 
you know, for me, as I said earlier on, he he, he has been the epitome of, of supreme for, for the Timbers in Major League Soccer for, for a very, very long time. Um, but look, you don't you don't need to look far for for star quality when you look at the Timbers roster. Yeah. How many years have we spoken about Diego Valerio on this very podcast yeah. as well? You know, people are saying he's actually had a, a poor year because he's he's getting older. He's thirty three now. Do you know how many assists he's got this year? Tell me. 12 assists. Yeah, he's okay. And that's just in Major League Soccer, by the way. Right. We have to do the Open Cup numbers. Yeah. Um, 12 assists, six goals as well, and he's having a poor year. Yeah. And, and I think a, a lot of... Year it, any player would yeah, <laughs> love I mean, to have. <laughs> and, and, and this is... I think a lot of people hold him in, in... As they should hold him in high regard because of the 2017 campaign when he won the MLS MVP. Mm-hmm. And he got something like 21 goals and 17 assists or something along those lines. But... Um, he is getting older, but he got 12 assists throughout the entirety of last season. He's already got 12 assists now with a third of the season remaining. Yeah. Um, Blanco is fabulous as well. That was a very, very good pickup by the Timbers. Um, Ibobasi has been doing well on the flank as well, um, although it wouldn't surprise me in, in one of... In, in the future, it wouldn't surprise me if Ibobasi, if they give Brian Fernandez a little bit of a rest at some stage, wouldn't surprise me if Ibobasi leads the line. Maybe something's going wrong and they um, they need somebody to play off the shoulder. That wouldn't surprise me. Um, but I just mentioned him there, Brian Fernandez. Fernandez looks tremendous. Um, yeah. it, it, it's just, I, I believe it's 11 goals in 13 games. Um, eight goals in eight MLS starts. Yeah. It, beyond um, hitting the ground running, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and we all knew that he'd do well. It's a Timbers record signing. I believe the original fee is 10 million and there's added incentives to bring it up to 12 million. Scored 16 goals in Liga MX last season, just in league play. Scored a boatload in, in um, cup competitions as well. Um, but with, with, with the amount of creativity he has behind him. Um, nobody seems to mention uh, Paradez in midfield as well for the Timbers, yep. who's wonderful. Yep. So I, I just think, um, again, I, I know I'm not being a, you know informing anybody of, of anything I don't really know here, but Fernandez is is just somebody who you have to watch so closely. Um, and I, I'm intrigued to see how you, how they deal with him, actually. Yeah. Um, do, do they play a high line and keep him as far away from goal as possible? Mm-hmm. Or do they drop a little deeper knowing that he's, he plays off the shoulder beautifully and he's sprung so many offside traps in, in the last couple of weeks um, with Valeri behind who can, you know, it, anytime he, he plays a through ball, he, he, he can, um, you know, slip a string through uh, the head of a needle. Like yeah. he, he is, he is just absolutely wonderful still. So I'm intrigued to see how Minnesota United handle it, but um, no doubt about it, Steve, the next couple of days, the biggest in the history of Minnesota United since coming into Major League Soccer, and I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, here's what I here's what I want. Here's my one wish in one of these games. Go on. um, I want Lawrence Olam to score a key goal coming out <laughs> as a substitute because a little factoid for you, he scored the first goal against Minnesota yes, United in MLS when yes, he was he a did. member of the Portland Timbers. Mm. So uh, it's going to be fun to watch. It'd be even more fun to win. Thanks for joining us for the 67th Sound of the Loons podcast. Minnesota United's next game is on Sunday, August 4th, as we've been saying, when they face off. This is the thing. I got to figure out if I need to change this up because we always talk about the game and then I say this is the next game when it's what we've just been I, talking about. I think about. a healthy reminder is fine. Is it okay? Okay, okay, it's okay in the credits. All right. <laughs> We're getting like some, some like Marvel Universe post-credits yeah. scenes into this stuff now. So, all right, Minnesota United's next game is on Sunday, August 4th, when they face off against the Portland Timbers at 3 p.m. You'll be able to watch that game on ESPN and listen to the mellifluous tones of Cal on the radio on Score North. 
and SiriusXM, which I'm looking forward to. Yeah, always. it's exciting. Uh, be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes, or at the very least, a five-star rating, and follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC and Cal at CalWilliams.com. Apologies, as always, to Richard Wagner. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you, and people can like you exactly as you are. <laughs>